Thank you for that word. There was a man one time, and all he did was dozed in church. How many know what doze means? Now, he was falling asleep in church. And one day while he was sleeping, he heard the word stand up. So he immediately jumped up. And the entire congregation started clapping. And he looked around and he was the only guy in the church standing up. And the pastor said, praise the Lord. Now who else is going to give $5,000 this morning? That's a good story. Are we awake? Are we awake this morning? Galatians 4, chapters nine, uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Listen real close to what Paul's talking to. He's talking to Ecclesians. And he's saying, but now, after that ye have known Yahweh, or rather are known of Yahweh, listen, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? Do y'all see what he's saying? He's saying, after we come to the knowledge of God and had zeal for God, how, how do we go back to willful sinning? To loving the world more than we love God. He said, you observe days and months and times and years. He said, I'm afraid of you. Lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Yahweh, one more time we ask that this word now illuminates our minds and hearts by the Spirit of God. And people will have ears to hear. They won't be playing games on their phones and texting people outside the church. And they were focused and received this engrafted word that's able to save their souls. And I thank you for that this morning. One year ago, I began to speak about a subject and it started pecking away. And what I was trying to peck away at is our immaturity and our going back and to the weak and beggarly elements. Okay, 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 okay. Peck, 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 peck. My mother used to do something to me uh, every morning. She would, I, I didn't like to get up. How many of you like that? When I was a teenager. I didn't like to get up, man. I liked to sleep. And so my mother would say, Johnny, 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 get up, Johnny, Johnny. It would drive the whole house crazy, wouldn't it, Joel? I still have PTSD from it. Pecking away. Immaturity. Let me, let me tell you what immaturity is. In the natural and in the spiritual. It's having to be told and made to do the right thing. You know, take the garbage out. You know, clean your room. You know, you know, whatever it may be. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't go to the store and steal. You have to be made... And told to do the right thing. It's irresponsibility and it's, it's I thought there was a word called undependable, but that's not a word. It's, it's being not dependable. Not being able to be counted on. Now the, the root of our moods are our emotions. 
I taught this about one year ago when I began, not this whole message, but this part right here. And about among that emotional realm are such feelings or expressions as fear, anger, resentment, jealousy, hatred, grief, sorrow, surprise, desire, elation, joy. The emotionally immature people and spiritually immature people are moody people. And they are controlled by that emotional realm and they haven't learned how to control the moods. People can physically mature, grow up, have adult attributes and, and mentally grow up, but yet emotionally, a lot of people remain immature, like a little kid. And sadly, it's always accompanied with their spiritual age remaining a baby also. Years ago, I preached a message called the eternal babyhood of believers. How people just stayed babies. And, it, you know, we was talking about fathering and all that. And I told you this. Emotional immaturity will not only wreck your own happiness, but it will wreck the happiness of everybody around you. And I said, it's time for us to grow up emotionally, spiritually. People that can count on you. People who can depend upon you. People who are responsible in their place in the body of Christ, in the local church, and in their relationship with God, and in their denying themselves. So this past year, I've tried to give us the word of the Lord that I believe that Yahweh was speaking to us specifically about. And I think, as I look back over all the messages, that, as broad as it was, and as much as I've, I've, I've covered, I have to admit that Yahweh made it very clear that we must repent and stop living in willful sin. He just won't leave it alone. I'm, I want to go on. I wanted to go on. And he just won't leave it alone. And I think it's very clear, he said, that if you don't, and if we don't, we're going to be denied entrance into the kingdom of God. He primarily over and over and over again, specifically made it absolutely clear that neglecting the gathering of the ecclesia shows contempt for him and the body of Christ and will disqualify us from getting a well done. It's, it's contempt to the purpose of God. So as we move forward, we got to understand this. And I think we've made it clear that the ecclesia is God's chosen vehicle for creating faith, maturity, hope, love, righteousness, peace, and joy. It happens when people act in love where they are with the various skills that each of us have in our ecclesial family. It's very important. We've got to believe that. And that there's no other way under heaven whereby you can mature or get your well done when you are divided from the body of Christ, and you don't see the need to obtain strength from that, this place. It is Yahweh's wise and loving plan that we develop beauty, spirituality of character, by communion with 
with and care for each other. Because we are the same body of, and we have learned that you can't love Christ if you don't love his body. And I, I promise you, I've looked. There is no excuses. Period. That's just what it is. That's, the, that's what it is. So my question has been, personally, why are most people, listen close to me, it's a question I have. I, question, I'm, I talk to myself all the time. Somebody thought I had Bluetooth the other day. What are you, well, you got a Bluetooth? No. Are you talking to somebody? Yeah. Who's, I said, me. Well, who'd you call stupid idiot? I was calling and talking to myself. Anybody ever said, called yourself a stupid idiot? Let me see your hand. <laughs> How many of your spouse called you a stupid idiot? How about that one? Yeah. So why are most people concerned with this temporal life than they are with eternal life? I think that's a fair question. I'm like, why people more, they invest more, they're involved more, they put more in, they are, what's the word I use? They are uh, earnest. They're more earnest. They're not earnest about t eternal things as they are temporal things. And I was like, why, why? And then I asked myself this, why are people so committed to protect our children in this life? How many of you believe that our kids have never been more protected than the history of mankind? When I was little, guess what we did? We went out and played, and we were threatened not to, not to come back in. I got in trouble one time because if I knew I went back in, my mama would make me stay in. And I didn't have nothing in there that I wanted to stay in for, i got to tell you. All the, everything I loved was outside. And we had a dog named Spot. He, he, was, he was named after our other dog, Spot, who was named after our other dog, Spot. It's just easier to have the dogs, when they die, to have the same name, isn't it? Hey, Spot. So Spot had a coffee can Old metal coffee can, it's kind of rusty, <clears throat> and that was his water can. So my dad, who was a cop and a detective, I was down like this, and I was drinking water out of Spot's can. And my daddy did one thing. He broke me from ever drinking out of Spot's can again. I never even were tempted by it. Go, go there. Where, hey, where, where's Johnny? He's down there. At the, I mean, I'd be like three miles away on my bicycle with baseball cards and, and clothespins on there. I mean, but people are so protective of their kids today. It's just people tell me, well, it's a lot worse than it is. And I, I agree with that at, at a certain level. But why is it that... We're, we've become committed to protect our children like that, but we're slack about preparing them for eternal life. We protect them in this life, but we don't even hardly invest in protecting our children from eternal life. And I just say, why, why is that? Why will we do anything, anything, and I mean anything, to keep our children from dying now? But not very much to save them from eternal death. It just, it, it, it baffles me. I, you know, I, I, these are things, questions I ask. You know, it's probably naive of me to think that we're ever going to help one another here if we don't help one another spiritually at home. It's hard for me to, to really, I, I believe it because Yahweh says this is what he requires. But when people don't have spiritual involvement 
and ministering to each other, husbands and wife and children. They don't pray. They don't do anything. I, it's probably naive, naive for me to think that we're ever going to come here and do it. Or preach the gospel to others when we won't even share the gospel with our own family and friends. So that's the dilemma. Let me tell you what Yahweh told me this week. Sometimes he says some pretty good things. <laughs> he said the people who love and worship per the perishables, temporal things, this world, will be among the ones who will perish. Those who are going to perish love perishables. And what willful sin does it does something, it's like alcohol. People don't understand what alcohol does to our brain and, and it changes our mood and our emotions and how we see things. It makes us quick-tempered and it makes us not have patience. It's anti, when the abuse of alcohol is anti-fruit of the Spirit. That's why I said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because all of a sudden, we have a personality change. All of a sudden, we're angry all the time. All of a sudden, we don't want to have this or do this or bless anybody like that. And that's what willful sin does. It puts us in a subconscious, psychological opposition to Yahweh. It's worst. It's worst by psychological core product is guilt and shame. And I know people say, I'm not ashamed. I don't have guilt. And I don't think they even know what they're, they're saying. You can't have sin in your life and not have shame and guilt. You just wasn't created like that. Now, you can be a psychopath and somehow your brain don't get it. But I believe even that is what causes somebody to be that way. Because they can't handle the shame of guilt of sin. Yahweh's presence comes to us by thanksgiving and by praise. When you are thankful, you've entered the gates. And either you're entering his gates or he's, his presence, is, you're feeling it here. But what it is, it's an attitude of thanksgiving, of acknowledging and knowing that God is God. He's in control of it all, and he's going to take care of it. I give thanks for him. I give thanks for all the good things. We used to sing it in church, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, seize what God has done. Count your... So we, we are appreciative and thankful, and then his courts with what? What is praise? It's acknowledging who God really is. And what he's really doing and how you, you, your praise means, I believe it. You're going to do this. You said you do that. I believe it. Ha <laughs> I praise you. There's many things that I haven't been able to teach you. Things, like I said earlier today, Satan, devil, heaven, hell, the name, immortality. And you are responsible and accountable for yourself. Because when you're in your bed alone, alone at night or whenever you are, when nobody else is looking in the dark, that's who you really are. That's how I judge myself. When nobody's looking, okay, now the only one that counts sees it. So that's how I try to live my life. Because we have this short opportunity to please the God of all. The one who rewards all of us. So here we go. Here's the term. Y'all ready? This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. That revelation 
of sonship is something that I taught you a long time ago. The first time I ever heard anything about it was in my journey for truth, uh, the latter rain movement, you may not have heard of it, the manifested sons of God movement, who I was invited to be part of them. And the problem is they believe that you would be like Enoch, that you would just never die. You would just kind of morph into ascend into heaven with your new body. And you would never, you don't have to die. That was a manifested sons of God doctrine. And they asked me, uh, Bill Britton, uh, George Warnock, and were pretty famous people in their little realm. And so the problem is, the reason I didn't want to join it, because everybody that was preaching it were all dying. I said, now if one of y'all, if just one of y'all don't, don't die, I'm going to join and basically, all the non-denominational type churches that have a more spirit-filled, charismatic, word of faith, however you want to say it, a feel to it or experience, then guess what? They understand some idea of sonship. When I started preaching about fatherhood and all that, I was criticized about a lot of people who now are all spiritual fathers. And they want sons, you know, around the world. And they did understand something that I think is correct. They, seen that they, they saw that to have dominion over all limitations is the destiny of the children of God. But that consciousness got trapped and is trapped in linear time. Okay, what do I mean by that? Our awareness is trapped because we were always looking for future time, future, future, because that put that in us as children with that false gospel about the future. It's going to happen in the future. And yes, there is a, 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 a happening in the future. But everything we have, we're going to die and in the future, we're going to go to heaven and in the future, we're going to do this. But they, they we just got trapped in that instead of realizing that we are not going to become the sons of God. We are becoming the sons of God. In the moments we can lie, yeah, corruption will take on incorruption. Mortality will take on immortality. Yeah, in this body. But we are in the process of God redeeming us. We are in the redeeming process. We ain't redeemed yet. And I think that in the core belief, there's something that still sticks there in our crawl that we think once saved, always saved when it comes down to it. Because this is what I hear people doing. Whining and squealing because they don't want to have... You know, let me tell you what it's like. I had a guy one time years ago. He came to our church. And he didn't like when I was, what I was teaching. The reason why is because, my opinion, he was too lazy to study. He was too lazy. So everything was what? By the Spirit. It's just all by the Spirit. Yeah, but what? But it's by the Spirit. When the Spirit of God speaks to me, when God speaks to me, the first thing I do is I go to the Scriptures to see if He's right. Instead, we got to become. And the term I, I've used this, I preached this message 20 years ago here. And that is that God... Not this whole message, but this part of it. That God has called us who have been fallen to be stood upright again. You remember it, don't you, Chetty? The rod of God. Remember me preaching that? You talk about it a lot. 
God's going to stand the man back up. I used to read those kind of things that where Moses threw the rod down, it became a serpent, and then picked it back up. And, and I'll, I used to read that, that it was some meaningless, wonder-working thing that God shows his power by doing something uh, magical. But what it really is is a deep symbol that embodies the whole purpose of God with man. God made Adam in his own image and gave him dominion over all the earth. Two aspects, manifestation and rulership. This is what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7.29. He said that God made man upright, but watch this, y'all, listen close, but that man forsook his upright state. He forsook it. The rod, the manifestation of God and the, and the authority and dominion that God had and gave to Adam in the garden, guess what happened? That rod became a serpent instead of a rod. Sin took over. And the natural man, the body, the incarnation, the the fleshly, carnal man became the seed of the serpent and no longer the rod of God. Anybody else remember that teaching? It's back when I taught on probation. It's a while back. See, Yahweh's loving purpose. Can y'all say that with me today? Loving purpose. Because I, I hear people don't think it's a loving purpose. And what it is is because they get psychologically and subconsciously at odds and indifferent with Yahweh because they want to go back to the beggarly elements. So they, don't, they love the things of the flesh. And when somebody brings light in a dark place, they do like this. And, and they complain. God's loving purpose is to bring man back from the serpent condition to the rod condition. To make fallen man again upright. How? In the true and complete image of God where man was first designed to be like. To exercise holy and faithful dominion over an earth filled with God's glory. Or what? Character. Or what? God, the God kind. Godliness. God-likeness. A people that are like God. Why? Because that's who we were originally made to be. There's nothing I enjoy more, probably. Yeah, this is kind of a bad, I shouldn't say that much. There's something I really like a lot. I saw a man the other day find an old watch, wristwatch, in a garbage. It was rusty and everything. And he took that watch. And it was one of those Facebook videos where they'll speed up the time. He cleaned that watch up. He took it by piece by piece. He cleaned it up, and I'm telling you, it looked brand new. It wasn't a Rolex. It was like a, I forget what brand it was. But to take that corrupted, corroded, rusty old timepiece that was created as a masterpiece and as something that was val valuable for a purpose, and he, but he, it, it, he didn't just dip it in and bring it out. It's a process. All of this is shown through Yahshua. Y'all hear me? 
Yahshua is the process. He's the typical man. He's the type and shadow. He's the pattern. He's the one that shows us this is how it's going to happen. To get you from that lowered place back to the upright place. This is how it's going to happen. Yahshua was born under the serpent-cursed constitution in which humans had fallen. And when I say humans, it's, I'm, I'm talking about Adam and Eve, but we all sinned in Adam and Eve because we're all of the same family. And it's a disease we all inherited. But cleansing, listen, he cleansed and he transformed himself from that serpent-cursed state, lowered state, by obedience and achieving honor and dominion as the chosen rod of God. That's how it works. We're here, and through obedience, we are cleansed and transformed. There's two other signs at the burning bush that Moses had. Not only was it the rod of God, there's two others that manifested or emphasized some truth. I'm just going to mention them. And that was the hand that became leprous. Came leprous, put it back in, came out clean. That's another sign. Okay, Moses, come on, Moses, let me show you what's happening here. This is how it works. Leprous, sinful, I cleanse you from that. There's another aspect of the picture. The third was the water of river, the living water uh, poured out of the city on the dry land, and it turned into blood. So this whole concept of God redeeming us back to the purpose, what happens is it slowly begins to stimulate the eternal realm and embrace reality in me. Okay, okay. What am I crying for? What am I longing for? What am I desiring? I was desiring to be made upright again. How do you do that? How do I get to that place that God, I'm supposed to be? How can I get back to that place that, of being brand new like that watch? Of course, modern Christendom wants to do it this way. Abracadabra. Ask Yahshua, is that the way it works? That's what I had to do. Hey, Yahshua, how quick does it happen? You ever had any problems? <laughs> Yeah, was it, was it tough? You know, how easy was it? The awakening that God spoke to me as a young man that I had no clue about, out of the blue, to wake up people. The number th person he wanted me to wake up was me. There would be no way to hinder the full birth of what God started from a person who was earnest and sincerely and desiring that thing. God will stop the sun. I don't know if he's not the son of the earth. You know my point. To make sure that man right there, y'all better get out of the way. The awakening. I'm not talking about me. I was talking about all of us that have a desire like that. There wasn't no way it wasn't going to hinder, it was gonna, anything going to hinder the full birth of the Christ in me. But if I couldn't get back simple obedience... If I couldn't get past that, you know, if I couldn't get past tithe, 10% of my income when I don't mind paying, you know, 
80% of my income on perishables. And if I, if I can't get past full-time participation in the very most important meeting of, of the world ever, the ecclesia, and not just be part-timer, how in the world am I going to get restored? Because Yeshua wasn't part-time. Yeah, but he did it all for me. Yeah, he did it all. He showed you how to get it done and helps us get it done and tells us how to get it done. But if you don't do it the way it's supposed to be done, it ain't going to work for you. Because the crap of life is going to happen to you with Yeshua or without him. My experience is I'd rather be, have it with him. And I'm going to tell you something. You're going to look at me like, uh, as they say, a cow at a new gate in just a minute about God. And I hope you can begin to grasp it and that you'll meditate on it. But people who, people who can't even obey in the simple things, guess what? They usually don't really, can't understand the real truths. And they may not understand what I'm preaching today. I'm going to make some people really... <laughs> Foam at the mouth, probably. But not a truth lover. See, the light of the truth will blind people who live in darkness. And, and they live in refuels to Yahweh's will, and Yahweh's purpose, and Yahweh's plan. I want to tell you about our church today. We stand at the awesome threshold of fully seeing that Yahshua, as the Son of Man, was born, was born and walked out His becoming journey. Guys, we're at the very portal of you really beginning to see and to walk, not in the love of the world and perishables, but in the like. Because once you find the pearl of great price and you really see it, you'll sell everything you have to have, to have, to have it. And nothing will ever come in before it. When Yahshua did his journey, he, he went and obeyed every detail. He even insisted John, who was really lesser than him, baptizing. Why? Because that's the, what he was required to do. Well, you know what, man? I don't want to go down there and baptize in the Jordan. I don't want John to do it. Who's John? We see that Yahshua's crucifixion really is showing us our crucifixion. Thank God we're not crucified on a wooden stake as Yahshua was. But I want to tell you what, my, my, the wood I was crucified, my crucifixion was on a wood of my own humanity, along with my kind humans in the garden of God. And that's tough too. I said my own crucifixion. I'm not taking away from Yahshua's. You know what I'm telling you? Not at all. But in my world, what's close to my home affects me. It's like Charlotte was saying today, look, you know, she's had a lot of things happen to her, but she's not saying you didn't. She's just saying that that's her, her stuff. And it makes it more, not important to us, but more in our face. Our crucifixion came. Now, here's another term. There's two terms that you're going to probably hear a lot of if, if we can receive this. It's going to be called show, uh, shame. And listen, we're saved by hope, but hope is a lowered form. Y'all hear me? Hope is something that is lower than faith. Because I'm hoping for it. 
You've got to say by hope because you've got to have a hope of what, we're, what we want. But we got Lord and hope, and guess what? Boom, there, I, there we are. And we continued mankind, I'm talking about, a great journey of separation from God. And, I, and one day this thing hit me sideways in a good way because no word of truth has done more to break the shackles of shame, condemnation, and fear from the hearts of men, and specifically, it happened to me personally. That somehow, something clicked in my mind, an awareness that it was Yahweh himself that wanted and desired and even passionately longed for a greater experiential knowing of himself. Now, I might be saying that wrong, but I'm knowing it right. So it seems to me that Yahweh initiated that thought. And in order for him to understand himself, and I know that's stretching it, please. When man was lowered, it was because there was evil present. And from the beginning, sin and evil are necessary for God to show himself of who he is. That's why I despise the teaching of there's a Satan and there's devils and there all that kind of stuff, fallen Lucifer and all that, because God says, I am the one who creates evil. Y'all hear me now? There's a lot of things I want to share with you. I'll ask you to do is consider these things like you did the teaching on hell. Just be patient. Johnny, where do you, where do you even get that from? That's stupid. Are you saying that? It's stupid. Well, I'm a, let, let me read you Romans 11.32. Can I do that? Wouldn't that be good? I, I'm going to use a scripture to back up what I'm saying. Huh? How many of you love a scripture for that one? For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Let me give you another translation for that. I forget what ESV or I forget which Bible. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy on us all. <laughs> oh, my God. To serve the great purpose of the uncreated one and the father of all. He concluded us all in unbelief that he might manifest a side of him of mercy. In order for us to grasp the depth of our pain. Hang on. I mean, how many, how many are truth lovers this morning? One, two, three. You want to love the truth and the truth will set you free? I'm pecking at it right now, gently and slowly. In order for us to truly grasp the depth of our pain and separation and break the bonds of denial and shame that has kept us from really understanding the purpose of God so much that we're willing to trade it for a bowl of oatmeal, perishable, I said, Yahweh, 
People don't see it. They don't, they're not hearing. They're not seeing. He said, tell me something. It might have been Yeshua. So what happened was Yeshua, born of Adam, under the constitution bodily of sin, like you and I, he went and experienced the most lower parts of our hellish experience because everybody I hear everybody talking about life's just hell, life's hell, life's hell, life's hell. Okay. And this is what he cried out. Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Let me tell you what Yahshua did for me. He gave me the voice I needed. He gave us the voice we needed to say, God, why have you forsaken us? He cried out for us. But we in our pain and separation could not understand. He was bruised so that we could in him become free to experience, watch, the iniquity that was part of our destined journey. Y'all want to take a break? I said he was bruised that we could become free to experience the iniquity that was part of our destined journey. What are you saying? I said God had a plan. And by looking at him, the image that appeared for our redemption, there he is, because of Christ and what he's done, it's by looking at him and looking upon him that I'm able to break free from the denial that keeps me in repeated cycles of death and the grave. I see people all the time. Like Paul said, man, you're going back to the beggar. What do you, once you've known God, and worse than that, listen to this, God's known you. You go back to the beggarly elements. And Paul was like, did I just, have I invested in vain? Have I, have I tried to help these people in vain? We try to identify ourselves, but we're imprisoned in our bodies, in our minds, in that connection. I taught a few weeks ago leading up to this. I'm talking about it's spirit, soul, and body. It's never body, soul, and spirit. Remember that? Why? Because this has to be premier. The human spirit ruled by the Holy Spirit and the words, the spirit word. And knowing, wait a minute. What's going on in my life? You know, it's the destiny of God for me. I was so ashamed before God when, when I understood this, that I doubted his purpose and the footsteps that he ordered for me. I was ashamed. I was ashamed. I just don't think he's smart as I am, I guess. Are you okay today? It's by looking at him. Seeing him bear his shame. <laughs> you think you, we got shame. You think we got guilt. You think we... Seeing him spit on and lied about and jeered and bruised. 
that I'm able to accept my journey of shame, rejection, denial, and abandonment. It's the process. Yeah, guess what? There's people talking bad about you. Okay, that's, that's, part of, that's, my, that's my lot. That's, that's my part of my redemption to show God's showing his mercy to me. Just like Yeshua's path was a chosen journey of redemption, my path is a chosen journey of redemption. And it's the same path that he took, but it's not the path of willful sin because that puts you on a different road. That's called self-inflicted. Not now only is he the one who showed the way, but now there should be a collective company to set creation free from its bondage to this material, temporal, perishable consciousness that witnesses itself every day in nothing but death and decay. That's why I love what you said today, Charlotte, when you said, hey, you know, you didn't just say Johnny. You didn't say Joel. You said these other people too. A company of people showing, hey, come on, this is the way right here. Yeah, but guess what's happening? Come on. Come on. We're going to go. We're going to do it together. It ain't going to be easy because nothing is. I said nothing's easy. I dropped some, I dropped some crumbs on, my, on the floor up here today. It wasn't easy. Just, I, I just had to get on my knees. Joel thought he, they all came and prayed around the altar. They saw I started praying. I, I, to bend over like this, bending over ain't so bad, but getting that up is kind of difficult. I'd, one of the problems with a fat man at golf, when you bend over to put a ball on the tee, you have to stand up and wait a while because you're dizzy. And you have to get your blood back in your head, right? Okay, I made you laugh. Now let's get back to this. A collective company, a people, a body, an ecclesia, a one, not separated, not separated man and woman, gender separation. No, it's one. People, the body of Christ. <clears throat> and we should be setting, the Bible says, all creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the manifestation of God's sons. All creation should know that we show them how to not go back to bondage of this material consciousness of the Lord position. Yeah, I'm going to eat this instead of immortality. When you're separated, you're more apt and more vulnerable to be deceived, to believe a lie. What was the entrance into that world? That material, carnal, perishable realm. I, you can relate it to you today, but I'm talking back in the garden, really, right now. It was shame. And I, you may not understand that yet because you may define it as something. But just hear me, okay? Just wait, and you're going to learn. Just when I say stuff like, you know, uh, there is no Satan. Now just Wait. See, what shame does, and it makes us do what? Seek a what? Hiding place. Shame makes us seek a hiding place. And we're hiding from the projection of thoughts that questioned our truth and our validity. 
It was shame that had to come through a lie to take hold of our hearts and enable us to take the plunge into the separation of Adam's experience. You might want to take this home and listen to it again. And this experience of being lowered into shame away from becoming a serpent instead of the rod of God, being cast down, our life, our, our life thrown down, instead of taking up our life and standing up right. It's like a death that we shared in him many, 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 many years ago. There was a phase we came through as God-like beings, godliness, on the path of our chosen and intended lowering. So what happened? To start with, they were naked. And what? They were not ashamed. They were naked and they were not ashamed. See, the thing that Yahshua, one of the things he suffered on the cross, he bore our shame. Isn't it funny how today nobody's ashamed of sin anymore? Let me tell you one reason why. Because there's not a testimony. There's not a standard in the earth. Everybody that should be the light of the world that, that, that brings conviction to them, the, the church, the ecclesia, guess what? We're, we're joining them. They don't have to be ashamed. Hey, you did it too. Don't get mad at him. You know why? Because you don't want us to get mad at you. Another way, they were true, they say it, they say, they were truly intimate and exposed to one another and had not yet experienced shame. So here they are, Adam and Eve. It was Adam first, then Adam and Eve. And it, it, it was only after the entrance of a greater degree of division when the humans, mankind's gender were divided and separated that we became, what I've said many times today, vulnerable enough to believe a lie. It questions who I really am or who we really were and what God's real intention is for me. Was that really where I was supposed to be? Not of what I did. I preached that message on the prodigal son, remember? His problem was he never knew who he was in his father's house. That was his problem. Not that he went and spent all that and did all that. No, he didn't feel a place. And this is kind of what I'm talking about today. It's not of what we did. It's not about the sins that we did or what did. It's about who we were and who we are supposed to become. Because I know this. I can say stop sinning all I want to, but unless there's something greater for you, you're not going to do it. I ain't talking about come to church or you're not going to get you well done. And that don't, that don't phase nobody. That don't phase nobody. I'm, there's some people, of course. I'm speaking in generalities. It, it, it confirmed to me what I already understood about that identification in Genesis of shame as the emotional entrance or doorway through which we've entered and became locked in it in my physical experience of this fleshly body that is our enemy. It is the Satan. It is the one that Yeshua overcame. Despising the shame, he did it anyhow. 
Like us, he was flesh and blood. And he overcame that. Destroyed the works of the devil. What's that? This perishable loving, temporal loving, not understanding who you're really meant to be. Because he understood and he went for the gold. Gold. I had a little time, a little experience in my life where I was released from a childhood entrapment of shame. I didn't know how to identify it. I didn't know what it was called. I, you know, things like, uh, and different things could trigger it. I know people that I've ministered to before that have this shame of their past and all that that controls them. And this self-loathing, self-loathing that, you know, sometimes they trace it back to a, an event in their you know, in their childhood, that they, it, it calls shame in its truest sense of what the word means. And deeper maybe than people can even imagine, because it may not ever show outwardly what the shame that we think shame is, but what it does, it manifests outwardly behavior that is the cause of that root of shame. And I know it gets triggered by certain things. And I think we all need to be released from toxic shame, you know. Because shame was the thing that Adam and Eve did when they went and hid themselves from God because they were ashamed that they were naked. Before they had shame, they didn't even know they were naked. And so it was the doorway for our incarnation, our becoming flesh and not just that spiritual being. And now it's released can signal our reconnection to what? What we were really created for. What you're really desiring. What you're really calling out for. That former original purpose. Our return to the Father of lights. And the return to our own immortality. That's what I'm doing. I'm not trying to not sin as much as I'm trying to gain back my immortality, that was mine. I'm not talking about pre, re, uh, reincarnation either. So, I, you know, I say, why do people have these deep feelings, man? Man, people, uh, they have these feelings of self-disgust. They're unfulfilled. They're dissatisfied. And like I said before, you know, I keep saying, why do people desire the perishable rather than the eternal? Let me tell you what you always going to do for you if you'll let him. He's going to begin this major unfolding of your life and purpose. You know, the child and the experience as a child that may have initiated feelings of, of shame and self-disgust and, and all of those, do you know that child no longer exists? I always tell people, you know, the past only exists one place and that's in your mind. And I share with you a, a, a uh, something that happened in my life that was, I thought was traumatic and, and it shaped me a lot and it, it, you know, I lived under the, the, in the, in the uh, prison of shame between my mind and my body and, and so I had all this you know, dealing with and I, could, I confessed that to you. I told you about it because I wanted you to understand coming forward when we're dealing with this kind of shame and I don't want you to, to define what I'm saying Dr. Phil style, Okay. Not that there's not truth in all of that. I believe there is. But I'm trying to talk about something way beyond that. But my point is this. Do you know that every seven years, your body replaces all, I mean, there's a process. 
you don't, you're not the same body you were seven years ago. All the cells have been replaced. So little Johnny, I, had, I put some on Facebook today, and this girl that I knew in junior high school, she was two years older than me. She was a little cheerleader, and her, her, her brother and I were really good friends, played baseball together and all that. And she said, hey, little Johnny. I'm like, oh, Kathy. Little, little Johnny. Well, little Johnny ain't here. Little Johnny's gone. How many of you know that when you're, those little grandkids are like two years old and they're so much fun and they grow up just like your children? You know, little, little, little Koopy boy's gone. He's gone. There ain't no little Koopy boy no more. There ain't no more Bubba. These are, these are all brand new bodies with regenerated body cells. And the fact is, as a child, not only physically, but spiritually. I never really could truly understand the experience. But now as an adult, we should be able to. Somebody say amen. We can know, we can understand, we can adjust and relate. We can put away the lie that controlled us most of our lives. To tell us we're something that we're not. Because we are what God said we are. i got to tell you this. My... my being important in life is based totally. I don't base it on who I am except for the people that love me here. But I want to tell you what. What gives me confidence is that who I am and have been called in Christ. And that I'm on a journey and I'm on a trip and a path that nothing else matters. Because I'm going to fulfill the destiny that God has for me. And that is to be God-like and rule the world with an immortal body. So sometimes what happens when we are seeking after that first, the kingdom of God is what that's called. I'm preaching kingdom gospel. All these other things that you chase, that you worship, that you adore, that you spend time and money, they are added to me. And, and like this right here, look. And that don't mean I'm weak in the flesh and sometimes whatever. We can take responsibility now for our own experience. I don't have to bow down to sin anymore. I understand that God has a plan for me, and I'm going to go through stuff, and he gives me an opportunity to say yes or no, to overcome or not overcome. But what I don't do is say, God ain't for me no more. God's not with me. No, God, this means I am in the plan, Joey. I am on the team. I am starting. I'm playing. Here's the ball, go. I wasn't going to yell today. Now, I promise you this. I'm delighted, man, for every person who experiences healing and release from past trauma, individually or genetically or whatever. But I got to tell you, by far, the greater message from the Spirit of Yahweh to us this morning is that we are standing at the edge of an awakening as we begin to understand this carnal realm, that it's God who has purpose in what's going on in our lives. I'm not talking about your self-inflicted willful sin stuff. But even in that, he's so loving and patient and long-suffering. Somebody ought to thank God right now for that. I sure do. And then, once we see the true purpose of our calling, we have been called to two things. We were created 
to worship God for him. Revelation says, worthy to you were created for his pleasure. And number two, we've been created to be conformed into the image of Christ. Matter of fact, the Bible says it this way. For we are predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. Not predestined in the sense of, you know, I'm going to choose you like Calvinism or something like that. But I'm talking about the predestined. The destiny that he has for every one of us goes all the way back to the, what happened in the garden. That's still his plan. That's still he's going to do it. And guess what he's going to do? I will show my mercy. So when I go through stuff, you know what I'm looking for? Him to show his mercy. I mean, he takes me to the woodshed. Yes, he does. But when I'm obedient and it gets tough. And I can't take it if it seems like I look for his mercy. And I want to tell you, goodness and mercy can follow us all the days of our life. And it can do it for you if you understand the purpose. And that's what you're striving for. All right. Joel sang too long today. Not only see the purpose, but learn the dynamics by which we can overcome. Listen to what Yeshua was written of, of him. Because the children partook of flesh and blood. Who's that? Us. He likewise took upon him, not the nature of angels, but the seed or the genetics of Abraham. And that sacred secret that was kept from the angels and man is available to us. Why? Because Yahshua, the pattern son, the forerunner, the way shower, the way, the truth, and the life reveals the answer. Speaking of his own crucifixion, this is what he said. And if he's talking about his crucifixion, we're talking about our incarnation. And this is what he said. Y'all ready? No man takes my life from me. No man takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down. Watch this. And to take it again. I want to tell you what, I hope that when you leave this place today, you're going to decide you're going to take your life again. You're going to take it back up. No, I ain't laying down. I ain't laying it down. I'm going to take my life up again. At this commandment, he said, have I received from my father. So where did Yeshua get his empowerment? Where did it come from to walk this overcoming journey? Well, he was God. Don't get me off on that. He is God now, just like we've, we've been invited to be God-like. The sons of God. It came, listen to me, from speaking, from a speaking from his father. But let me tell you what I found out. Speaking requires a hearing. You can speak all you want, but somebody got to hear it. Receive it. Hearing requires the ability to hear will give you access to the eternal store of living knowledge and intelligence and power. That is what the Father is by His Spirit Word. And it requires a place and a state of union or a state of togetherness. I want us to start accessing our powerhouse. I want us to start accessing our empowerment through our connectedness to the light who is the source, our Father and His Ecclesia. People who live in willful sin can't hear. Like I say, I can say things a hundred times. 
I don't hear you. Huh? What? Hey? Whoa? It's like a husband. The access can only be attained as we open the door. Behold, he's, he's knocking. We turn on the light. And that is in our emotional realm. And that's where shame comes from. We open the door by removing the things that have it blocked and locked. Willful sin will do it. My God. Stop it. And when that happens, then we begin to cleanse our emotional being of shame. No more shame. What are we talking about? Spirit, soul, body. That the incarnate, the one that caused us to fall, that flipped us upside down, body, flesh, incarnate, carnality, soul, and spirit, has been in control here. And it's demanding its destiny. Perish. Perish. Die. Dying. We get back here, guess what? Immortality. Life. Living. We clean ourselves. We have to go back to where it happened. And I'm talking about, really, in the garden. That's where we lost it, right there. I wasn't around. What caused those, what events were that caused us to fall down? And to land on a physical plane. A carnal, perishable plane. And in these bodies that are made of these cells, I have an image. Yahshua is that image. He's the one that provides that thing that triggers me. He triggers my experiences that releases me very effectively from the trauma of experienced sin and failure because it's in every one of us. That's why everybody wants to be a, listen, everybody wants to be a winner, not a loser because it's inbred in humans, but they try to do it through perishable ways. That shame keeps us from accessing the Father's voice and truly knowing Him. But knowing Him empowers us and we use that empowerment to not lay down our lives. Do you hear me? Johnny, I thought we had to lay down our lives. Yeah, you have to lay down your old life. But some of you are trying so hard to lay down the old life, and it ain't work. You get consumed in the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Use your empowerment to take your life up again. You hear me? You throw that, it goes down to a serpent. That's pretty magical. Hey, I got a serpent here. You know, pick it up, your life again. It's called the awakening of a son of Adam. That's what I've called it all these years. The resurrection of the Adam man, if you want to call it that. But I call it the awakening of a son of Adam. And I'm prophesying this today. And I'm not under the abasement of hoping I'm prophesying it. And that is, this is the time of our awakening. 
our awakening, not yours, ours, because you ain't going to get one by yourself. I am not going to get one by myself. This dawning light happens when we remember who we are and how we came. And I'm not talking about a pre-existent life on some other planet. I'm talking about in the, in the experience and purpose of God's mind. Without seeing Yeshua and the example of what he is, you will never be able to release the trauma and access the purpose that closes with the glory that's promised to us. We had with him what the Bible says before the world's. What does that mean, Johnny? He promised it before the world. This was his plan. This is what he's going to do. Man failed. Guess what? He, in God's plan, now he showed us his mercy. Now what we're trying to do is get back to the garden. How many of you heard that message before? Only the remembrance of Yeshua. This do in remembrance of me. What? This would do. And that oneness, that's this, can empower us to complete the journey and set the creation free from its bondage to temporal, materialistic perishables. Can you hear me? That's why the saying, no man cometh to the Father but by me. What's he talking about? This is the way you go right here. All right, come back, come. All right, this way. Just when... You think we know it all and there's nothing else to learn. All of a sudden, Yahweh says, okay, there's a whole new vision and awareness of the truth that Yahshua brought to this higher level so long ago. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to have ears to hear. I'm going to give you an opportunity to please me. Christmas is coming up, you know. The angels sang it. Joy to the world! You mean to what joy to the world is really about? It's about the birth of and rising from the incarnation of Yahshua into his immortality as king. That's a good Christmas song. It's no different than the rod from a serpent and cone. It's no different than the, the leprous hand that came out clean. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. That peace has truly come in the hearts of those that truly believe. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You ain't got peace, you ain't got the kingdom. And you don't, your mind didn't focus, you're going back to the beggarly elements. But one day soon, in an outward way, it's, going to, it's coming back to this planet. How? Through those of us who have attained the purpose of God for the earth. Only this present awakening of our human spirit, this present reconnection to the eternal truth and the knowing can bring forth paradise on the earth. And that's what everybody's wanting. That's what's promised to us. He promised it to the thief on the cross. He said, listen, I'll tell you this day, you will be with me in paradise. I've got, I've got great news for those of you that have not heard listening and maybe in here. Maybe you're hearing for the first time, sitting in here. The truth you need is right here. It's available. You only need to reach out and take hold of it. It lies within us. 
It's, it, it's in our DNA. It's beyond the entrapment of this illusionary shame and beyond the misidentifying powers of my ego and the limited self. Beyond belief systems. Beyond a material consciousness. But it's there in Christ and it's in His body. We don't need tools, mantras, incantations, rituals, vows, crystals, you know, alcohol, drugs. All you need. If you, if you will come with me, if you'll stop your willful sinning, and if you, if you do sin, confess it. He'll be faithful and just to, to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness and cleanse us from all sin, including our shame. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not. And you know what I meant. Maybe I am ashamed of the gospel of Jesus I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Not just to the Jews, but he let us in too. All we got to do, guys, is look at Yeshua. Look at Yeshua. And what I do is I let myself see myself in him. Because I am in Christ. Y'all get it? Bye.